got we know how to start a podcast. Do we? Yeah. Like basically I'm trying to segue into like one of those cold open things that Polly does all the time where like this is the podcast. Yeah, I was thinking that's what you're doing right now. Yeah, I know. So it's the start yeah. of the podcast. Can it can that just be it? Do we figure it yeah, out? Yeah, that that should just be it. Cool. All right. All right. I think we started the podcast. And <laughs> hi, Rhett. Hi. Um, this is the Soxcast with. It's more like the Roncast. When you yeah, think your, about it, your combo names are not very good. I'm not approving of any of these. Well, the other one's the Jetcast. Jort. The Jortcast. I like the Roncast because it's R H O H N. Um, all right, so it's the wrong cast, which means it's me, John Thire, and Rhett, you. Hi. Yeah. Hi, Rhett. Hi. You're seated to my left or my right. Doesn't really matter. It's it's virtual. Yep. We're sitting right across from each other, actually. We're sitting across from each other, like, in, yeah. like, an interrogation setting. Yeah. Like, the, just, we're gonna, like, alternate, like, shining a bright light on each other. Like, <laughs> what have we been up to? What, what have we, you been doing? What have I been doing? All what right, the light's doing? on, the light's on me now. Doing good cop, bad cop. All right. What have I been up to? Um, last week on the Janicast, I talked a lot about Amnesia Dark Descent. Ah. Have you played that game? No, even though I have it on Steam. I was like, nope, never, 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 never. <laughs> I heard there's a part with some water and a thing chasing you <laughs> through the water, and I was just like, I, I noped before even installing it. <laughs> That's a good part. That's one of the parts that actually wigged me out a little bit. Um, okay, so Amnesia Dark Descent was a really very good game that I enjoyed a lot and talked a lot about last week because I fucking loved it. Um, it didn't really freak me out much, but I really enjoyed the craft of it, which is sort of my whole take mm-hmm. with horror games in general. Yeah. Because, yeah, I I was desensitized from a very young age because my parents, my, what were you going to say? Oh, I watched some scary movie when I was like, not very old at all, and it had the complete opposite effect of me of just completely fucking me up from horror forever. <laughs> I think it was like one of those Peter Jackson ones, like Brain Dead or something. Oh, that's a, isn't that like, like a famously like a, gory one? Yeah, like a super fucked up one. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and I'm just like, I am not ever what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, my dad, my my um, we did we watched lots of scary movies and. Dad loved sharing them, so I got to see Alien very early, yeah. and I got to see all the all that good stuff. Like, hey, have y'all kids ever seen The Exorcist? I have. Jeez. Um, and um, I really like horror games. I played a shit ton of Silent Hill ages ago. Yes, I, yes, I remember you writing about a bit of Silent Hill. No, I really like Silent Hill. And, yeah, played a handful of indie stuff, and I finally got around to Amnesia, like, Six years after I first tried it, and I think I got a little bit past the water part, and then just got stuck in a puzzle and quit. Yeah. Um. So amnesia. So I I finished amnesia and fucking loved it. Um, it's really goofy and kind of like loud. Like, I was a little bit off put for like half of it because it was so kind of in your face in a lot of ways. It's just that it had a little bit of restraint in some ways, like you don't see a monster for like an hour and a half. Um, and even then you, they're pretty rare. And, but they have like these constant, like effects 
where the you hear whispering in the darkness and you and your vision goes askew, your camera angle goes askew and all that stuff. Like you suddenly hear voices and so it was almost grating for how loud it was, but then I sort of got into the schlocky mood of it. Hmm. Um So then I went from that to Soma, which sort of was what I was after, I think, the first time. Because it's a lot chiller uh, in general. Yeah. Um I don't I don't know much about this game, but people really love it besides the monster part. Yeah. The um we'll get I think we can get to that. Um yeah. basically okay. it's just slow first person scary immersive horror game kind of like in the it's this is all kind of in the half-life storytelling vein i think you know uh. um where it only instead of like the monsters and amnesia which were there's some cool identity stuff with how amnesia works because you're constantly like hearing logs from your past self who but you've forgotten all everything and so the whole game, you're kind of getting to know your own character and whether or not he was actually a kosher person. Um, oh, so there actually is a reason for the game to be called Amnesia. Yeah, it's actually, it actually fucking, like, everything that's cool about Amnesia's story is kind of rooted in the Amnesia plot device. Cool. Which is, like, pretty fucking unprecedented. <laughs> um, and Soma just takes that kind of weird identity horror stuff and runs with it um just every like sci-fi existential dread thing <laughs> they got just squeezed into this first person game um and like so i guess i could give an example of like something really early on as sort of like a general what is the horror mo of the game does that is that okay with you yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, it starts out in, like, contemporary Toronto. Oh. Huh. Yeah, and you're on your way to, like, um, a brain scan. Because uh, your, your character wakes up, la-da-da, going for a routine medical procedure, and then he gets into the brain, into the scanner, and then the scan proceeds, and then he suddenly wakes up in like the same chair but it's in a completely different room in this desolate sci-fi alien space station huh. and then things progress from there so very early on you go to a ro you see it find a robot and it's talking in a human voice mm -hmm. and he's saying hi my name is like jake okay can you give me a lift i'm hurt da -da -da. can you help me in this way and it's a robot and then your character has not seen talking robots before. And, oh, your character is talking the whole game mm -hmm. in first person, which is different from Asia. I remember you watched the 2013 teaser, by the way, that we both saw. That's not in yeah. the game. That's a completely different thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. And um, even the character is different. And I think it was designed, it was made intentionally to not contain any of the same stuff as the game. Weird. Just like Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> God. Um, but I remember you watching that teaser and being kind of put off by the voiceover because it's a lot of like, what the fuck? Ah! Ugh, yeah. ah! Um, but the actual voiceover is a lot more subdued in-game. He's uh. he's actually pretty chill. 
That's good. Uh, First person voices are kind of weird in games. Like I think it is like in Half Life, Gordon never talks. Yeah, he like, does not. It's, it's weird when you're just in another character's body like that. Mm-hmm. But then it's also weird in Half Life Two when everybody's like talking to <laughs> yeah. you and you're just like la la la. He's so, a man of action, not words. Yeah. So and of, they probably say that in the game. Probably. I think they make a joke to that extent. Yeah, that. it's so cheesy. Yeah, it is. Um, so Soma does a better job with the first-person narrator than any game I can really think of, and it's definitely the game is definitely much, much richer for its presence. Cool. Simon is a really cool character, and I enjoy how he how he plays out throughout the game. Um, so you see a robot, and you're talking mm-hmm. to the robot, and... Simon Sarah says, hey, you're a robot. And he goes, um, no. And then <laughs> waves his robot arm and says, see, human. Oh, boy. And I'm flesh and blood human. I'm a flesh and blood human. You look pretty fucked up, though. And then you go around a corner. And then he, he tells you his name. And then you go around cor- a corner and you find a dead human body. And you look at the ID tag and it's that guy's name. And then, so there's a very obvious twist from there that they play out early on and don't play it off as a twist. There's basic, there aren't really any twists in the whole game. Do you get to look in a mirror? You get to look in a mirror. And it's, Ah. and it's, uh, but it's not even, it's not a surprise. (laughs) There are no surprises, basically. Basically, everything is telegraphed in advance, and then it's always, but it's still always horrible <laughs> um or you know you just mm-hmm. have to th- or just something to think about um so that's like that is the vibe of the game i think that gives you a much a better image of it than you probably get from like the teaser or anything else and it just keeps moving forward from there doling out cool info you meet you get another character that hangs out with you and talks to you um and their banter is really nice really cool um, so it's got this real chill vibe that I'm pretty down with, and like, cool. yeah, yeah, it is cool. Yeah, and but is it also scary? Yes, it's scary, but like, in a more subdued, like, honestly, not that much. <laughs> uh. Like, there's a lot of um, there's a good amount, there's a good amount of weird ass um, machine trash, organic garbage, like. The kind of stuff that we probably both really like in stuff. Um, Where, like, you'll find a human that's had their lungs replaced with, like, a machinery fan and they're, like, breathing. (sighs) And hooked up to some wire thing. And that's pretty... Okay, it's probably scary for the majority of people. (laughs) Majority of humans. I mean, when people say, like, we want the next Dark Souls slash Bloodborne game to be sci-fi, sounds like this, basically. Kinda. Yeah. This is very narrative-focused. They, like, it's way fewer systems than mm-hmm. Amnesia had. Like, Amnesia, if you're in the darkness... Um, oh, that, really? Yeah, there's there's a sanity meter in Amnesia, and health, and um, lots and lots of keys, and puzzle, and inventory puzzles, and huh. resource management, and... Like, it's actually pretty heavy with, like, system stuff, and that actually works well with 
how the game works, I think. That stuff is all good. Um, I think it would probably so, be weaker without the sanity meter stuff and whatnot. Because, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So so is Soma, like, more focused on narrative stuff? Yes, Because it seems like a much more designed game in that space. Yes, it's way more... Um, apparently they were aiming to, like, basically with Amnesia's whole storytelling MO is the whole audio log piecing together a story that's already happened thing. Yeah. Um, Soma is way more stuff actively happening in front of you and with you that you were playing a part in. Cool. And that's cool. They, they tried to do that and they succeeded. Um... So there's a lot of scary beats and whatnot and scary moments, but mm-hmm. I think it isn't as in your face as Anisha, and I think it's less uh and I was probably more wigged out by Soma, but it was because it's scary like you know, existentially. <laughs> uh-huh. Where you just have kind of a oh there's so many beats in Soma where I saw something happen and I was just Oh, that's fucked up. Oh, <laughs> that's fucked up. Whereas Amnesia's horror MO is let's go through a bunch of different rooms that all have medieval different medieval torture devices in them and have like yeah. first person accounts of people being hurt by them and um, Selma's just more hey what your what if you couldn't trust your senses <laughs> what if you you couldn't trust your sense of time um and the big there's a big the whole big the big device that plays into the whole game and the ending is like very well trodden ground in sci-fi but they just dramatize it and make it really land in a way that i can't think of anything else really doing cool um so i like it a lot and it's way less systems heavy um there's a bunch of instead of the monsters being like a thing that basically show up if you in in amnesia i think when the monsters show up is a scripted thing but it feels random like, it feels like they could come after you at any time. And mm-hmm. then you basically just run away from the monsters in Amnesia, hide for a second, and then they're gone. They they basically appear and disappear out of existence around a corner when you're not looking at them. Mm-hmm. Um, the monsters in Soma have, like, a very concrete presence. When they show up, they, they show up, this is the monster set piece. Um, and then they have a presence in the world where you have to watch their route and figure out how to get around them. Um, so I was frustrated with them at first and I think the, the frustrating thing in is when you're having to deal with the set piece while also figuring out how to get to the next area where you're trying to just explore and then there's a monster. Yeah. That's one of the big complaints I heard. Cause yeah. there's a, there's a mod to disable the enemies. Yes. And um, that's something I'll keep in mind, but maybe if I do play this, I'll try it normally first. Yeah, because also all of the navigation puzzles in areas with monsters are very simple. Like, it was always like, there was a couple times where I peeked at like a video to figure out where to go where to because I didn't want to deal with the <laughs> monsters. And then it was always like, just something really easy that I could have figured out with a little bit more trying. And they honestly are pretty tense once you just get into the mood of them. It's just, I was a little bit off put, I think coming off of amnesia where they work where they're not really like a thing you manage and deal with. They're a thing that just happened for a second and it's horrible. And then they're gone. Um, yeah. 
In Soma, they're a video game obstacle that you need to figure out how to get around. And that's cool, too. I like video game obstacles. Yeah. Um, so I think... And without the monsters, there's extremely little horror um, beyond the kind of identity stuff. Uh, really? Um, they're scary. They they work, I think. Uh, and I think the game is probably better for their presence. But, um, yeah. So it's a... And the story and the ending, they fucking nail it. And it's very effective and sad. So... And not sad. It's, it depends on your depends on your <laughs> point of view. Sorry, I didn't mean to. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, explain it anyway. It's it's a good story, and I felt very good coming off of it, very satisfied because this was apparently like a five month pretty labored dev cycle. So it's cool when they still can nail it. Cool. Because um, something like Final Fantasy Fifteen, you can really tell that it they had a lot of trouble like getting oh, duct taping yeah. the pieces together. <laughs> Um, this feels very singular and intentional. It feels like when they needed to make the big changes, they backwrote and changed the things that they needed to to make it all feel unified. Um, and I really like it. I played two really good games by Frictional, and it was cool to find a new dev like that. I, I started Penumbra, which was their first game, and it's good too. Uh, but I I think I'm yeah. done for now, actually. So Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you and Polly both asked me about it, but um, it was cool because Penumbra has the first-person narration too, except it shows up as text on the screen. So in a way, like Amnesia was the odd one out, which was interesting. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that's about good on on so many kind of questions about you. Uh, yeah, I heard a thing about a game, and I'm not sure what game it was. Is this the one that has like videos of eyes on robot faces? No, that might be a, that would be that might be something else. That Sorry, would be pretty that would be pretty freaky. I think eyes are scary. Yeah, eyes. There's some game that does that. I guess it's not this one though. But it seemed like given the whole robots with humans in them, maybe thing. Mm-hmm. Oh god, it's so good. Yeah, it's a good story. I really like that. I really like Soma a lot. I was very satisfied with it. I I just oh. like felt completely. I remember being really pumped for it in like 2013 and then being completely uninterested <laughs> when it came out. Weird. Yeah. But no, I did get to play it and I really enjoyed it. Cool. What have you been up to, Rhett? Let's turn that. Let's do it. Uh... Let's put the spotlight back on you now. You're in the interrogation room. It's completely black. You need to. Te- you need to. Is this a Persona reference? No, I don't know. <laughs> it could be. That's all. That's like literally all I know about that game. It's <laughs> kind of the framing device. It's a good framing device. But what have you been up to? Uh, I've been playing a lot of fucking PSO two, and I'm only bringing this up because Molly's not here. <laughs> so yeah, you've been um. There's a lot of stuff in the new. There's a lot of new content you've been engaging with. Well, there's there's the one new raid, which I just want to mention because it's like. It's so close to what I've wanted the whole time. Because mm-hmm. a, a lot of the older raids in that game, they it's just 0 to 60. You just go straight to the end boss and fight it, and it's over. And it's just like, you, you guys need to learn pacing, you know? Yeah. Like, P- PSL 1 a had a lot of pacing. So this pacing. new one, you fight some enemies, and then you fight like a mini boss, and you fight some more enemies, and you run up a hill, and then you fight the big boss at the end. It's like, it's got a little arc to it. Mm-hmm. And... So I want to really love this mission, but they also did something that incredibly sloppy at the very end, mm-hmm. which is at the very end of this mission, the 
and this is all super anime and super over the top ridiculous. The boss fires a laser into the sky and blows up the moon. And it is the moon of Earth because PSO is on Earth now because why not? And so you get a message saying, oh, no, the moon is falling. The Earth will be destroyed in five minutes. What? So you have five minutes to destroy to finish off this boss. And, and then destroy the moon? No, he destroys the moon and, sl- and it falls onto the Earth. But whatever. Wait, so did the Earth... So Are you trying to stop the moon from hitting the Earth or what? Or not? I mean, I guess destroying the boss will also stop the moon from falling. Look, it doesn't make any sense. Okay. Because this mission plays like three times a day. That moon is getting blown up a lot. <laughs> like, nothing cool. in this game makes any sense. But any, the whole point is that there's a five-minute timer at the very end of this mission. All right. And this is such a gear-focused game yeah. that it's like... It's already predetermined if your team is strong enough to win or not. Uh, Yeah, so it's just like, I've been playing on, like, the the expert elite blocks, and I hadn't had any problems. And then one time I did fail, and it was like, well, that was fucking lame. And then, like, almost immediately after they released this mission, they they made it easier. uh, So they dropped his health from, like, 75 million to 55 million or something. Whatever. But it's just, like, conceptually, the five-minute timer just is bad game design, I For think. For this thing, yeah. Yeah. Because it just limits your... Because then, yeah, you can or cannot beat the boss in that time, basically. Yeah, and it's because this thing is so gear-focused, and because this boss basically just puts his weak point out there for you to hit, uh-huh. like, it's not even skillful in You're much... just... You have five you're... minutes to just wail on it, and then if, yeah. you, if you're one minute through that timer and you haven't gotten through one-fifth of the health left, then you're yeah. like, oh, well, I know that this isn't going to work. Yeah, so it's, it's just, I wish they had fudged the numbers on the back end or something, just yeah. to make it always, always get down to the last 30 seconds so you're really sweating, and then they're like, okay, we'll give it to you. Because, yeah, that's, that's game design. That's, like, yeah. making it make sense. Yeah, so instead, it's like, if you're on a good team, you'll finish with three minutes left now. Uh... And if you're on a bad team, you'll still fail. So, like... So they didn't really fix it. They just kind they... of... They they softened it a bit, but you can still fail. Uh huh. Which, which I found out about an hour ago. Grabbed. How long is it? I mean, it's only about twenty minutes total. So, mm-hmm. and that's with the five minute thing at the end. Yeah. But yeah, it's just. I wish they had fudged the numbers on the back end. Be like, oh, he starts at seventy five, but then his health kind of quietly goes down in the background. Yeah, that would be good. So you just kind of gotta meet him in the middle or something. Uh huh. Yeah, I, that makes sense but, to me. So it's like, this game is always like one step forward, two steps back, basically, where it's like, oh, you're you're so close to getting like a mission I really like, and then you do this. So PSO one yeah. seemed chiller. Oh, infinitely, yeah. PSO one is a very chill game. Plus, it, like PSO one is just four person teams. It's much more kind of slower and intimate. Mm-hmm. This is like twelve man Zerg rushes all the time, basically. I just, like, I just remember the one. The one area I got real familiar with was the forest, and it's like three big areas, and then you get to the end, and there's the dragon boss. Yeah, which is... and the dragon is super slow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the forest is funny, too, because, like, the maps are just handmade. Like, they aren't even randomized. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just the same preset forest, and then the route you take will be kind of randomized, but... Depending on the mission. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, yeah, because the later areas, like the caves and mines, will... They kind of use preset blocks, basically, to kind of build a level for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My hope is that, again, at some point we do the um, the server thing again, where we could just concertedly play PSO yeah. for a couple weeks. 
Yeah, we still got to finish that LP first with <laughs> Polly and Sayara. Awesome. And I think it was Bonner the fourth person. I forget. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think everybody's too busy for that now, though. Everybody's very busy right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, in the future. So. So. So that's what I've been up to. Yeah. What else have you been doing? What else have I been doing? I went and saw a movie. I've seen this movie too. I. You know how I just played a scary game. Yeah. I saw a scary movie. This movie's not scary. This movie's very scary. I saw Get Out. Oh, yeah, I guess we should say the name of it. Yeah. <laughs> Was it Jordan Peele, I think? Yeah. Yeah, he directed it. Um, I watched a bunch of his sketches later. He, he and oh. Key and Peele sketches afterwards, and they're really, really funny. Hmm. Um, yeah. God, this movie's very good, huh? It, it's very good, but I didn't actually really find it scary. It's more tense and then cathartic. Yeah, it's, I, I, it's, it's in the sense that it was tense. Like I, I, it was much more tense for me than either of the horror games I played. I was just really? kind of like completely skin crawling, unnerved for like the whole for the huh. face most of the movie. I think we we get scared by different things then because like amnesia having something behind you chasing you uh-huh. is like literally the scariest thing i can imagine yeah they got to like the big pyramid head chase scene near the end of um amnesia and i was like all right this is the thing i'm running away from that, yeah blah, blah, blah. i would i would just i would just alt f4 like immediately yeah <laughs> yeah for me i was coming out of the movie i was coming out of get out like wow movies are so much better at that huh. <laughs> which is pretty brutal but yeah, I thought Get Out was kind of perfect. It's, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I didn't mean to that to be dismissive. I mean, it's really good. Yeah, it's a like um, the, it's a super racially charged horror movie about a black person stuck in a house with a bunch of terrifying white people. Is the it there? Who are yeah. super just suburban white family where something feels off. He's going home with his girlfriend. Yeah his white girlfriend to meet their parents and they all are like pretty nice. And then they have the little microaggressions and God. And it just, and then things get, and then they have the ants. They, so everything is definitely off. And then when they finally have everything kind of come to a head and yet, and have reveal what the terrifying thing is, it's very bad and scary. And it's so weird because you th- you think it's one thing the whole movie, and you're just kind of like, this is so obvious what's going on. Everyone's acting like so- everything's fine. It's obviously not fine. And then you find out what the thing is, and it's so much worse than you thought it was. Yep. It's, yeah, it's certainly as freaky as anything in Soma, just conceptually, while also yeah. being really thematically charged. Yeah. God. So, like, after seeing this movie, I went to, like, the NeoGAF thread discussing it, mm-hmm. and there is so much in this movie that doesn't make sense until you've seen the whole thing, because mm-hmm. there's a couple reveals right at the end mm-hmm. that, like, recontextualize a couple characters entirely, mm-hmm. and it's just like, oh, this conversation from earlier, and this, and this, and this, and oh my god, this movie, like, is airtight, basically. Yeah. It's... In it. A- Every scene, every piece of dialogue, like, has multiple meanings, basically. Yeah. I really, 
and I, can't, I won't i won't spoil the ending but yeah it's very good there's a thing at the end that is incredibly scary for me mm-hmm. God. there's a there's a one of the most cathartic moments i can think of where near the very very end it seems like the worst thing that could happen is about to happen and then yeah you see yeah the, that's what i'm was talking about yeah and then nope it's just that guy and yeah. it's so it was just like, oh thank God, oh thank God. <laughs> <laughs> basically, basically with your name, it was like that complete. When I saw that in theaters, I talked about that last week. It was like mm-hmm. this complete visceral last twenty minutes of the movie, just desperately longing. Oh, I want them to be together. I want them to be together so bad. I would give <laughs> anything for them to be together. And then this movie was the equal <laughs> intensity longing. Get the fuck out. <laughs> it's called... Yeah, get out! It is named after the primary emotion you feel. You, the primary thing you're yelling at the screen. Yeah. Ugh. What a good fucking movie. Yeah, I... Alright, alright. So, anecdote. Um, I saw this movie. The It started at 8 o'clock. Yeah. Um, Anna dropped me off, because she does not like horror movies. And this was a scary... Oh scary one so i'm glad she missed it and she just hung out at the bookstore um which is about quarter mile away um so i go into the movie and then i come out of the movie and i just got a text from her that was like let me know when your movie's over and i text her back like it's over um and she's gonna come pick me up and then i walk out get into the parking lot and i send more texts i said like all right Ready when you are. Are you there? And then no reply. And after like ten minutes, I get a little bit more panicked. Like, hey, Anna, <laughs> I just saw a really scary movie, so, and I'm in the parking lot alone. So I'm ca- at ten o'clock at night. So I'm kind of freaking out. Um, can you please reply? <laughs> and then tear emoji. And then, all right, I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming. Because <laughs> I was worried Jeez. she was dying. So I said so she had been kidnapped and was dead. Because I'd just seen the scary movie, and I was... Jesus. So I spent the whole time, like, in the parking lot, like, fucking terrified, and then also feeling bad about being terrified, because, like, I was worried I was being co-optive or something. Jeez. It's like, no, this isn't a movie about how white people are in danger, John. <laughs> um, so I walked over to the Barnes & Noble, and then about, like... Two minutes before I got there, she had, apparently the text just got delayed in the cloud or something. Oh, and lovely. I, I, had, I called her like four times and she didn't pick up. <laughs> and then she picked up and was like, yeah, I'm fine. Oh, thank you. So then after that, I spent like an hour kind of a little bit shaken <laughs> coming out of this movie, which was pretty unique because I don't get scared from fiction very much. So I had a much just, stronger visceral response to that movie than I did to any of the video games I've been playing. That is really weird to me, but that's pretty neat. Yeah. Because for me, it's like, oh, this movie's not scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God. Oh, I was just it was so tense the whole movie because you keep knowing that there's something fucking yeah, up. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah. Oh. You got... <laughs> <clears throat> but then... I guess with me, it's like, when you die in a horror game, then it's like, and then you restart at the checkpoint, it's like, oh, okay. That's no longer 
scary. That was the cool thing with Amnesia, was that I think I got actually killed by a monster exactly once. But then they kept making me feel in danger beyond that. Mm. So that one time I died, I just kind of respawned and was like, alright, whatever. And then, But after a while, I kind of forgot about that feeling. And then the monsters were really scary again. Um, so that's that was good out. It was fucking good. What else have you yeah. been up to, Rhett? Uh, have you played Limbo? I did play Limbo. You played Limbo. What do you think of Limbo? I don't really like it. Oh. I mean, it's mm. okay. I mean, it, it's okay. I... But mm, but that's kind of I'm really but, I'm really into like the promise of Limbo. I I yeah I played it and I, and was feeling like I'd be interested in another thing by these peeps. Well, good news. What they didn't release they, another thing, they, did they? They released a game about about a year ago, actually. I guess. <laughs> God, time that flies. they may as well have just called Limbo Two. I am talking about Inside, aka Limbo Two. All right, so what I want is not so much Limbo 2, but Limbo but good. Is this Limbo but good? Mm, I don't know, because I haven't played Limbo basically since it came out. Uh-huh. But I kind of just played through this, and by the end was just kind of like, huh, yeah, that was more of the similar. Because, <sighs> like, Limbo just like, doesn't have, like, a resolution, really? It just kind of Okay, out. I will think... I think you will get something more out of this. Okay. Because there is a thing towards the end of Inside that is unbelievable. Okay, because Limbo, does really Limbo yeah. doesn't really have an ending or anything it's building up to, and like the things that it introduces just didn't yeah. vanish. So I was... I thought... I really liked the last area of Limbo where like it's kind of like playing this rhythmic sound, and then when it climaxes, the gravity changes... Like that really, area was. It was a really cool puzzle. <laughs> yeah, like, but it, it, you're right. It didn't have any kind of thematic meaning. It was just a cool area, mm-hmm. puzzle wise. And that was kind of why I kept feeling disappointed by it. Was that it? Like I, I love puzzle games, but when you like, yeah. when you have that kind of intense, overbearing aesthetic, and then the stuff like with the spider, and then mm-hmm. you introduce like the, the weird people attacking you and. You have, like, those are all basically narrative promises, and the spider one resolves nicely, but, like, there's no, it does not resolve anything else. There's no mm-hmm. narrative promises that really came together in a way that made sense to me. Like, it it has a resolution, and it makes sense, and it even kind of makes sense yeah. what, they're, what the meaning is. Like, there's the sound of, like, the eerie flies during the credits and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so I felt, but I felt that it didn't feel like dramatic dramatized at all and didn't like land hard for me. Mm. So I felt sad about it. So inside, if inside is just limbo, but like does a little bit better with all that stuff, then I'd probably yeah. really like it. Honestly. It's hard to say, like when you talk about like these mini arcs involving enemies kind of resolving nicely, mm-hmm. like I'm thinking, uh, inside might also kind of leave all that stuff hanging too, actually. <sighs> All right. I, uh, there's one enemy. What do you like? That I don't really. I just don't remember what their resolution was. So it was like, eh. like this game starts off incredibly strongly too, mm-hmm. where it's it's like you're moving through different environments and there's a lot going on and it's like it's legit. For me, this was really scary. Like, there's guys chasing you mm-hmm. and they have guns. So sometimes if you just walk out into their line of sight, they will just fucking shoot you. Oof. And you're a small kid. Oh no. And and they also have guns. Or not guns. They have dogs. 
So there's a lot of kind of set pieces where you're being chased by a dog and then you jump off a cliff at like the last possible frame to barely avoid it. So it's very tense early on. Then you kind of end up in this very gray monotone facility, which is like the last two thirds of the game. And it kind of loses that that's exact, intense. That's exactly what Limbo does, though. Like, it has oh. all that cool spider stuff. At the start, that's yeah. That stuff freaked me out. Like, that was actually a little scary, I thought. So it just kind of does the same thing, then it's a... I mean... All right, tell... There's, there's more to it, and there... Okay, so a thing happens about half an hour from the end of Inside uh-huh. that is amazing, but then it's also a half hour from the end, so by 25 minutes in, you're just kind of like... Okay, like I get it. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to talk about this without spoilers. Like, yeah, and like visually, this game like is really nice looking because it's all three D now, mm-hmm. and some of the animation is like literally the best I've ever seen. That's like cool. with no hyperbole or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like after finishing it, I watched some LPs finish some Let's Players finish the game, and they were both like. This is the best animation I've ever seen. What the hell? Mm-hmm. So it's like a thing multiple people are calling out like, oh my god, this is amazing looking. Okay. But like, I think there's like less puzzle to this game than Limbo. That's cool. Like it is kind of more of just a linear left to right journey. Mm-hmm. And there, there's one puzzle that actually kind of really got me. And then when I figured it out, I was like, oh, that's pretty smart actually. Okay. Because it keeps respawning you when you die. Like, I died a lot in this game, too, kind of mm. like Limbo. Yeah. It's all kind of... It's. Did you ever play another world or out of this world? Nah, see, I've never played many of those older yeah. it, puzzle platformer cinematic things. Cinematic platformer things. Yeah. It feels very styled after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so there, like, is, there is a cool thing in the back half, basically. Like, that's... Yeah. That's, that's more of what I wanted, I think. <laughs> but I think... I think the problem is is that narratively you will have no idea what the fuck happened in this game without reading like a wikier forum posts basically. Mm-hmm. It just hits you and you're just like what? Mm. And then there's a secret ending that is like insanely hard to get that also makes no sense until I don't know like I wish their games were maybe a little more direct with what was happening story-wise. Yeah, cuz Limbo's ending is just like the kid's dead. Like, that's... I mean, it's in the title. It's in the title. And then yeah. it's like... Like... When they have, like, the flies playing over the sound, playing over the credits, like, oh, this is... Like... God, I don't even know. It's just, like, trying yeah. to hammer down on mortality, but they don't... On that mortality stuff, but they don't, like, make you feel it, really. Yeah. So I, I thought that... I always thought the ending of Limbo would have been way funnier if the game actually just looped forever. Yeah, I remember you and Paul like, both saying that. Like, if there, if it just went back to the start and there was no end credits or anything, mm-hmm. and it just put you back at the start and lets you figure out what was happening like an hour later, mm-hmm. that would be way funnier. Yeah. So. So yeah, Inside was good, and but like, I people really elevated this game as like award-winning greatest of all time and i'm like "Eh, it's a game where you you've got like the jump button and the grab button like it's very mechanic it's exactly the same as limbo mechanically it sounds like a lot like limbo in most regards yeah it's and then even your player character is like the same small boy how long is it 
And so I had, I had heard that it was longer than Limbo. Mm -hmm. So when I finished it, I looked at my playtime on Steam, and Limbo was like 3.0 hours. Mm -hmm. And inside it was like 3.1 hours. And I'm like, <laughs> well, well... technically? <laughs> technically. Yeah, I was expecting closer to 5, but it also maybe didn't need to actually be longer. Mm -hmm. There's a so, bunch of, like, cool narrative-focused experimental games that came out last year. Or, you know, maybe not so experimental that were only a couple hours long, and I just haven't built up the enthusiasm to try them out, which yeah. I feel bad about. Like this, Firewatch, a um, lot of those ones. Yeah. Because hmm. they're so... You play all these... I can play all these RPGs that take 40 hours, and it makes me feel bad about all the <laughs> short games I keep missing. It's weird, because for me, it's the exact opposite, where my backlog is nothing but JRPGs that I just... I can't get into because I think about the time commitment. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, oh, this game's like 40 hours long. But then I just go play PSO 2 for 40 hours. So who knows what's wrong with me? <laughs> so it goes. And it's been buying a shit down Overwatch. So that's the kind of thing where you can just keep putting in time and time and time. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. In, those devs are interesting. I I think I'm more into Frictional's MO as far as the cool indie horror thing. Yeah. Definitely. Because, like, that was that was the thing with Soma, was coming away from that and just... You completely understand everything, basically. Pretty much what happened. And yeah. there aren't even really twists. You kind of know what's going to happen in advance anyway. And then... But you just feel it all. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> inside, I mean, I have no idea what happens in Soma, but Inside kind of feels like the opposite but similar, where it's like... It doesn't explain itself at all, but it's still kind of the same existential horror dread. What is life, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, pro so it sounds like maybe the swapper is something that's kind of in the middle there, where it's a lot vaguer than um, something like Soma, yeah. but it still has enough kind of visceral feel to it that it kind yeah, of got I mean, to both of us. Yeah, I basically had no idea what was what was going in in the swapper, mm -hmm. but it had that ending that kind of made you go oh huh yeah so soma made me feel a lot more things than the swapper but i still yeah. kind of respected it um, yeah and then there are a lot of games that are just kind of the vague that's a vague wiki thing that you have to piece together in the wiki and then yeah. you don't actually really feel it and that's sad yeah having to look things up after the fact does kind of suck i think it only sucks if you have to do that to, like, actually feel anything. <laughs> I I was Ugh. so... When when the credits started on Inside, I was just like, okay? It is the weirdest fucking last shot in the game. Uh, weird. Shit's complicated. Narrative's complicated. Yeah. So it sounds like we did three horror things. I guess, yeah. I mean, Inside's... I get, it's a little scary because there's you know stuff like the dogs chasing you and there's some puzzles where like you have to do a thing within like a certain amount of time mm -hmm. but the dogs will catch you if you just try to like if you're lifting a door or something so you have to like lift it halfway and then run to a safe spot mm -hmm. and then run back out so it's like you're kind of on the edge the whole time yeah so it's like the soma set pieces there is actually there is actually one thing about soma that's fucked that's totally fucked that i kind of didn't like at all uh, you know how that game... You know, So the game communicates low health by throwing a bunch uh, of filters on the screen and making uh, you lurch around and making you breathe heavy. And 
when you get killed by a monster, um, they actually give you like a second wind where if you get hit caught by a monster, then it'll just revive. You'll revive a few uh, moments later with the lowest health, and only then do you uh, die again. If you get caught again, then you die. Um, except so, and then there are some static health items that you can use once that you know periodically appear, uh, that are play uh-huh. a cool part into the story. Uh, thing is that there are like thirty, forty minute chunks with no monsters where you're just like running around solving puzzles and you know. And then oh, they no. won't have any healing items. So I got oh, to the end of no. a section and got caught by a monster. And then I had to go through the next like 40 minutes of game doing with the fucking filters <laughs> on the screen lurching about. Like, <gasps> and it was miserable. And I just was like, all right, can I, is there some way I can just fucking kill myself so I can respawn <laughs> and not have to deal with this? Oh. <laughs> uh... Yeah, they should have like the Half-Life health stations or something. Just anything. Like they have... just so it's so it's not a health you can take with you, but it's just a health post encounter basically. Um there's actually a way they basically have those. Um oh. but No, the thing is you you can use them even when you're at full health. And at the and at the time I was like, "Oh, I'll just use these when I run into them." And uh... then so I there were two of them in this big area and then I halfway through I went down to the next little chunk and there was a monster there and I lost a bunch of health and then I'd already used up the two health stations. <laughs> so basically you'll have a good time. Okay, you fucked yourself then. Okay. I ha- <laughs> you'll have a good time, just don't use health stations unless the health <laughs> You really need them. Unless you actually need them. If if you remember that then you're probably fine. <laughs> so it was still fucking annoying. <laughs> yeah. Is it the whole strawberry jam thing on the screen fucking sucks, though. I hate yeah. that. And these, also, you know, did you ever play Eternal Darkness? Nope. Okay. There's a bunch <laughs> of real goofy sandy meter oh, effects yeah. that people love to talk about as the coolest thing ever. Um, yeah. Uh, I feel a lot better about going back to Eternal Darkness now. For a little bit, I was like, oh, this sucks. But I feel like I could go back and enjoy it now. Um, but Amnesia doesn't have really any of that. It just has the filters and the... At, at your lowest sanity, it kind of starts strobing a bit. So it's like when you're moving. Um, mm. There's one overt goofy sanity meter effect that was actually unnerving. Can I just spoil that? Yeah, sure. It makes bugs crawl on the inside of your screen. Oh. <laughs> it makes like little silhouettes of bugs just crawling on the inside <laughs> of the screen and making like little <laughs> noises. <laughs> it's okay. So it's the fucking worst. It's great. <laughs> Okay, so it's great. Yeah. Because I know another game that does that at one part. Yeah. It's Hollow Knight. Has an area with some bugs on the screen because it's a bug game. That's excellent. I love bugs. Hey, Rhett, I love bugs. I should play Hollow Knight. Yeah. Yeah. A bug-themed Metroidvania just for John. Who would have thunk it? That sounds nice. All right, I might be up for another one of those soon. I was I played a bunch of Link's Awakening. I was a little bit... I think I might be a little bit needing a break from that structure. But yeah. Um, it sounds like Hollow Knight is a lot less of that than something like that. It's pretty game. open. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's inside. Yeah. <laughs> and we're back to you. Back to me? Okay, cool. Or if you want to take a break. No, I'm good. Are you good? Okay, we're good. Cool. Um, Resident Evil, I played a bunch of Resident Evil 2. Cool. That game. that game is really good. That game's really good. I played a shit, I played through Resident Evil 1. Um, like several years ago, I think I put it on one of my game of the year lists and fucking adored it. Mm-hmm. I played the director's cut. I don't 
PS1 version, so it was not the remake. Oh. I don't know what the changes in the director's cut version are, but it was... I think they fucked up the music in that one. Ah, bummer. Um, so I really fucking liked Resident Evil 1. It was a really good thing. Yeah. Um, and then I loaded up Resident Evil 2 and was like, oh, this seems this seems even better, fuck. And <laughs> then I didn't, then I put it down for four years. <laughs> So I just I just booted it up. I got like a little bit into the police station, and I was like, "Yeah, this seems great." Um, so then I picked I picked it up on my Vita, and oh, that was that was one thing I wasn't expecting. A little bit was because I played Resident Evil Two, and the intro to that game is so sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, where you're in the city, and like Resident Evil One starts off like it's a while before you even see a monster in that one. Yeah, like the first zombie is this big reveal. Yep. Resident Evil 2, there's a mo- there, the first time you're controlling a character, there's a zombie on the screen. And so if yeah, you, and, if and you this... don't understand the tank controls, good luck. <laughs> it's definitely, yeah, it's a definitely kind of a early, like, wow moment. Because, like, the whole city on fire, like, it looks really good, too, for yeah. that era. I remember being really impressed. Like, oh, we've got animated backgrounds now. Crazy. Yep. And then the cut, all the cutscenes are way more, are just better than the ones in Resident well, Evil 1. Does director's cut still have the live action? Yes. Oh, geez, yeah. <laughs> and so the way that the story beats actually play out feels like monumentally more together yeah. than in RE. Like, like they're actually from the same game now instead of like. Oh uh, yes. Those actors in the first one oh, are. That's funny. And then they show up again in the ending, and it's just like what? So I have a feeling the Resident Evil remake is could probably be one of my favorite games, though. Yeah. Since it's just that, but all tightened up. And actually way scarier. Excellent. God. So, but then after, the thing is that with Resident Evil 2, once they get past that kind of cool intro, it um, mm-hmm. it puts you in the police station, and then it's the first game again. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's like, alright, now I'll just explore this big house. Um, solve weird key puzzles. Um, the liquor reveal is great. Man, that thing. Yep, it's pretty freaky. Did it kill? Did it kill you? Because it can like just straight up decapitate you. Oh really? No, it didn't do that. Yeah. But it was it, it. I I played the first like half hour like three or four times because there's a while. It's a while before you get to the um get to a save point anyway. Yeah. Like I think I ran to that room before I before I uh, saved, and then I found out that you can get the shotgun from the shop. I I played past the opening, and I was like, wait a minute, the shopkeeper had a shotgun. Can I use that? And then I started the game up, shot the zombies, and there it was. I could just pick up the shotgun. There's a lot of cool moments like that where if you think of something obvious and then you can just do it, I think. Yeah. Like, there's just a lot of... I'm trying to think of other examples, but Resident Evil 1 and 2 both feel like very systemsy, dense system-wise, systems-wise. Dense with design. Um, Just like the levels are so full of stuff. Yeah. Um, And so, like, rigidly, so structured with how you can pace pace your way through the things and that um, doing all the resource management stuff and the save ribbons and... I was just kind of struck because, you know, Soma and Amnesia are very light on that stuff. Like even Amnesia, which is a lot heavier than Soma, it's the resource, like after about 
a third through it as I kind of had the resource management stuff down pat. Um, mm-hmm. With Resident Evil and Resident Evil 2, you're thinking so much about, all right, how, how can I... What's, like... I, I would go into a room and there'd be a red herb there, but I'd have to kill two dogs to get to the red herb. Um, is it worth the ammunition, the, the shotgun ammunition that I need in order to get that, in order to get past that, or should I restart? So, and it wasn't worth his health that I lost, um, because everything, because there's no infinite, all, there's a limited number of healing items, a limited number of bullets, and a limited number of enemies. And yeah, it's, I think once you get a bit further in, that stuff will kind of easing up a bit. Okay. Like, I never remember having too much difficulty with... Yeah, I'm I basically... I think I basically got it down pat, too. Which is like Resident Evil 1, yeah. where it felt very intimidating up front, but then you just kind of figure out the language of it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, the rest of the game, that tension is still kind of present. It mm. colors everything in a way that's pleasing, even if I basically have it figured out. Um, I'm really into that. I really like the one item, the one locker you open where you can collect the one item and then you can, where there's two really good items. And he, after you collect oh. one, he says, I better leave the other one for Claire. And then I was like, but then you can take it <laughs> oh. and leave Claire on hey. your second playthrough with nothing. Yeah. So like, you know how in bullet phase, uh-huh. when you're doing the escape, all the buddies that you got won't be there. Uh-huh. Like this game basically does that with everything. Wait, everything? I think so. I don't remember, but like... because okay, if so, I'm real <laughs> fucked. Because I've yeah. been collecting everything. Um, like... That's that's kind of what I was hoping for when I said, oh, you better leave some stuff for Claire. Like, as... I mean, I haven't played this game since it came out, so my yeah. ac- information will not be accurate. But I remember specifically, like, that one you mentioned where, oh, I better leave this for Claire. Maybe it's just that, but maybe it's not. I don't remember. If it was everything, that would make a lot more aesthetic sense. Like, that would be kind yeah. of badass. Also, I would be horrible, and I wouldn't, and I'd definitely put the game down <laughs> for a while because I'd have to replay everything, replay the Leon campaign, trying to leave resources. Um,. I think it's. Well, so, I think it's probably just the thing in the locker, based on the language of it. But you should you should keep playing as Leon and find out. Yeah, I'm basically. just gonna keep playing as Leon, and then we'll see. Oh, there's nothing here. Fuck. Yeah, then I'd be fucked. Um, That'd be great, though. It would be. It'd be. It's kind of like the thing with the lock boxes. How in the original Japanese RE1, um, mm-hmm. the 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 lock boxes did not were not the same lock box. Like you could not. Ac- put something in one lockbox in one room and then access it from another room. So you had to, like, yeah. move shit from, like, take trips, moving everything from the one lockbox to the other one if you wanted to. Or, like, take notes. All right, I put this... I left this stuff in this room and this stuff in this room. Um, I get that it's realistic, but the inventory limit in that game is already so fucking tight. Yeah. That's Did the, you play as Chris or Jill in the first one? Uh, Jill, <laughs> thankfully. Yeah, I cannot play as Chris because he has six items. That's Oof. ridiculous. Oof. Yeah, I loaded up Leon and was like, oh, thank God, eight items. Yeah. Um. So I, I also played Sweet Home like a couple years ago. So that's significantly colored kind of my reading of the other two games because it's really good. And it's basically Resident Evil 1, but with the visual language and play language of a JRPG. Yeah. So limited resources, your your allies permanently die. 
if you let them. Um, so you're playing through it basically just the same as a Resident Evil game. Uh, the only difference is that you have five different inventories to manage and there's no lockboxes. You can just drop items <laughs> wherever. And you have like three inventory spots for each person. So the only way to be playing is to be like dropping key important items and remember where you where you drop them on the floor, so that you can come <laughs> so back and get them just, later. Everything just stays where you drop it. Yes. So it's the same thing where um, everything is limited, everything, um, and you just have to fucking manage where all that shit is all the time, and. Resident Evil 1, in the comparison, feels very streamlined in yeah. a very pretty elegant way. But then you get to Resident Evil 4, and they made check Tetris in the inventory. Which is very funny and very good, I think. But I was just thinking, like, I've heard people, like, this is mostly about, like, Bethesda games. Uh-huh. Like, does anybody actually ever enjoy inventory management? <laughs> and it's like... Resident Evil 4 actually made it kind of fun because you'd have to rotate shit to squeeze it all in. Yes, Resident Evil 4 is the best at that. And these games only... These games, like, you have to do the inventory management and otherwise it would be... Yeah. That, that's kind of what holds it together is, like, I mean, the logistics. But then Resident Evil 4 actually made it, like, a cool game in and of itself. But I think Resident Evil 2 kind of strikes a better balance of, like, hey, like, eight slots per character maybe yeah. and not the whole running between lockboxes just sounds... Like, it's tedious at a point. Yeah, Resident Evil, like, they changed it in the American release of RE1 yeah. to make the teleport boxes, so... Yeah, like, there's a good there's a good balance, because, like, clearing out one stretch of enemies between lockboxes and just running it, like, five times, like, that's not fun. That's pretty brutal! That's just, yeah. So, they kind of... So, it's interesting seeing the progression from Sweet Home, basically. Because I do think Sweet Home is very good, and it's the same... It's just, like... They take the things that are very good about it and just push it. It's just a little bit too demanding. So once the once the area that you have to like keep mentally mapped out and the number of items you have to keep track of gets substantial enough, it just became too much for me. I think I got about yeah. halfway through. Resident Evil One struck a much better balance, and Resident Evil Two feels like a su- good successor in that respect. Yeah, I just um, got to the alligator, so that's where I'm at. Cool. I can't wait for you to get to the second playthrough mm-hmm. of RE2. I'm excited. Yeah, I, I'm glad I dropped. I'm glad I dropped Penumbra because otherwise I was. I'm yeah. probably going to be pretty horrored out after RE2's done. Yeah. I'm kind. Do you have any plan? Yeah. Do you have any plans to play Resident Evil games after two? Because there's a few different ways you could go. Definitely. I, I mean, not probably not right after. Right yeah. after two, but I want to. I I only played four on the Wii version, mm-hmm. and it kind of felt. I think yeah, you said that on the game of the, or not game of the year, the gen. That six, I didn't really get list. Resident Evil Four because I, I and I'm and we're putting it like number two game of the generation or and like me and Polly are both like that eh, should have been number one and you're like <laughs> what oh, this game's overrated and I'm like what the fuck man RE Four is the best ever not even like it's overrated just like I don't really get it y'all sorry like I remember Nintendo Power putting that as their number one GameCube game and I was like all right. Just that, it is though. I've just been kind of well, moving through life, like, all right, y'all, Resident, yeah, sure, Resident <laughs> Evil Four, yeah. Just because I think I played the Wii version and like it was a good it's bit. So much easier. It's a apparently. lot easier, and it just made the whole thing kind of un, not very biting, just kind of like a typical. Mm. Yeah. 
there was no there was no Resident Evilness to it. It was just kind of an action game that I played through, and like the action in that game. It, and I think I was just in a weird mood where I don't really remember much of it. Just it's actually really funny though. Is the thing like it kind of throws out the mood of the first games. Cool. I'm down it, for that. It came right. It came out right af- after remake, uh-huh. which was like the perfect Resident Evil game. Uh-huh. Like, so they couldn't just keep making classic ones and then so they just did something totally different and it was awesome that's so rad yeah i'm very down for something that has just more bite as an action game more design as an action game and and also is a really fucking good action game because that's not really what resident evil's about so resident evil 4 sounds very i really want to revisit it now um i think i'm gonna have a great time with it yeah but I would also say maybe try remake beforehand, just kind of see the evolution. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I I never liked Resident Evil Three at the time, uh-huh. and then I've heard Code Veronica does not hold up. I've like Code Veronica is one that a bunch of people really like, and then like a couple people that I actually care about are like, eh, actually fuck that game. <laughs> I really liked it at the time, uh-huh. but I can totally get that it probably doesn't hold up because just based on playing it you know because mm-hmm. it kind of i don't remember it like i think it has 3d environments oh. oh but but still static camera i think it's been a while it's weird that's strange and it's also like super long because like in resident evil 2 you have the, the claire campaign mm-hmm. or you know claire leon and then you play through it again as them mm-hmm. as the other one resident evil code veronica is like a full game and then you switch to chris i think mm-hmm and then you switch back to Claire, and then you switch back to Chris. It's like, it's super long as I remember it. That does not sound like what I want right now. So yeah. And you said RE3 didn't do much for you at the time. Yeah, RE3 I felt was like a bad retread of two. Gotcha. That's no fun. So yeah, it seems like the way forward is the remake, and four and seven. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't played five and six, but you know. So 7 is just, like, Resident Evil by way of frictional games, I guess. Yeah, basically, yeah. I I remember I made a joke where I was like, man, Resident Evil 2 is real fun. I'd love to see something like this, but with, like, that some of that aesthetic (laughs) Resident Evil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I think that the the camera stuff in 2 is a lot, is more artful and interesting than the frictionals approach, but frictionals is more, like, kind of trying to suck you in, whereas with 2 it's, like, Resident Evil 2, you're... just the way the camera angles like guide your attention to items and yeah. stuff like that, it's really, really interesting. Um, so, like, so I got some of that out of Nier Automata. So Resident Evil 2 is just like, you thought that game had delicious camera angles? Let's make a <laughs> whole game out of that! And Some of the way they frame it to, like, hide enemies is real good, too. Yeah. It's delicious. I really, really like the presentation of the PS1 Resident Evil games. Yeah. Um, that was the big, that was the biggest thing probably coming up, come away from Sweet Home is getting, kind of ripping off Alone in the Dark and putting it to that really good effect. Ugh. Resident Evil is good. I can't believe I, I, I played a little bit of RE1 after playing a bunch of Silent Hill 1 through 3 and I immediately dismissed it offhand. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this sucks. Um... And then I came back to it like a couple years later and fucking adored it. So, because these games are not Silent Hill. They are something very different from Silent Hill. They're trying to do different things. 
Like yeah, there always seems like there's this divide between Silent Hill fans and Resident Evil fans, which is silly. And it's like they're doing different things. Yeah, because like, but then if you're playing Silent but, Hill for the reasons that you like, Res- for that I like Resident Evil, then Silent Hill yeah. is pretty like, you know, streamlined to the point of being kind of banal and boring. It's not. It is not. Those games are not demanding on in the resource management sense, and they're not like. Uh, super intense level designy puzzle stuff. It's a lot lighter in that regard. Yeah. Especially 2, which is very easy. Oh, really? Yeah, two, Silent Hill 2 is pretty fucking easy. Um, even though it's like one of the best games ever, that is like, if you're playing it for the same reasons that you want to play Resident Evil, then it's going to be pretty lame in that respect. Huh. Um, so that's what Resident Evil offers, is that super dense game design yeah, which I fucking am really into right now. With some ve- with some very good jump scares. Very good jump scares. Like it's not super like psychological or anything, but yeah, like there's some good gore effect. Like when the when the monster comes out of the guy's body, it's like, oh, that's where Resident Evil <laughs> Four got that. That's cool. <laughs> and um, also, it's cool seeing how Shinji Mikami and Hide Hide Taka. Kamiya. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, Kamiya. Yeah, Kamiya. <laughs> and Kamiya's careers have been kind of entwined. Because I, th- I think Shinji Mikami did Vanquish? Yes, he did. That's and nuts. then he left. Yeah, I think he left Platinum after that and went on to do The Evil Within. Yeah, and then Kamiya did Resident Evil 2 after Mikami. Did he? Yeah, Jesus. that was like his <laughs> debut game was RE2. I was looking at their resumes and it's like crazy. Yeah. Both of them. So, so much. So both of these amazing devs basically started with Resident Evil on the PlayStation, which is yeah. fucking rad. Um, and then Devil May Cry was Kamiya making a sequel to RE2. And then <laughs> Devil May Cry is so weird. Apparently that's one of the failed Resident Evil 4 attempts. Like that's what? Nuts. That's so cool. Yeah. I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking of another thing though is how Resident there's that Resident Evil 1.5 demo uh-huh. and then there's also like the Resident Evil 4 kind of haunted mansion demo where it's more supernatural. Mm-hmm. So 2 and 4 are both these games that had multiple attempts until they got it right. Oh weird. And like they both really got it right though. Yeah. Like, and then that Kamiya did 2 and then Mikami didn't do 2 or 3 but then came back for the remake and 4 and then Yeah. Did he work on seven? I don't know who did. If he came back for seven, I don't think he's at Capcom. No, no, so yeah. Not. So he's probably doing. He, he probably did the Evil Within. Which what what was the, what was up with that one? Evil Within. Did people like that? I th- I think people thought it's kind of a weaker RE4, basically. Gotcha. That's a shame. Because with the remake and four, those were very substantially. Yeah. Like I mean, you you can only kind of reinvent the genre so many times. Exactly. Um, well, so at least he made fucking Vanquish. <laughs> God. Yeah. Yeah, those are resumes. Resident Evil is at the kind of center of a lot of cool video game history. Yeah. Which is cool. Um, is that good on Resident Evil? Yeah. Cool. What else have you been up to, Rat? Uh, this was a few weeks ago. I watched Better Call Saul Season 2 since it's finally on Netflix. Because <laughs> they're waiting a damn year between seasons because they're kind of like... They put season two up right before season three airs on TV. So now season three is airing. And it's like, oh, I'm going to wait a fucking year for this to be on Netflix. Shit. Uh, weird. But anyway, season two. So I was kind of 
I liked season one. Uh-huh. I watched it. Season two, I think, is actually way stronger. That's good. So season two made me think, like, oh, this is... I mean, that was Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've seen it said that the first two seasons of Better Call Saul are better than the first two seasons of Breaking Bad, and I'm like, ah, I can kind of see that now, because I think Better mm. Call Saul season two might be the best of all of them. Oh, cool. Uh, of those four. Okay. Like, obviously, season. season three is when Breaking Bad gets fucking good. Yep. <laughs> or, or not good, but amazing, yeah. basically. I remember season two so, really, like, they, ha- they basically, like, res- have the climax of season one in the first three episodes of season two. Yeah, it's... So... I was at my dad's house the other week yeah. and we were doing like the Netflix thing of like searching for a half an hour Mm -hmm. and not being able to find anything. (sighs) So finally, and we watched a couple things for like 10 minutes and went, "Mm." so So finally I just, I just take the remote and without saying anything, I type in breaking bad and we just start watching episode one. (laughs) Excellent. Cause he, so my dad, cause my dad hasn't seen it before. Uh So I'm just like, you just watch this. (laughs) And then I go home after finishing episode one, and then I looked on his account later, and it says, Breaking Bad, continue watching episode six or something. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Score. he kept going. So now he's on season three. Excellent. So I've been kind of watching along with him, and yeah, uh, I forget where I was going with this, but season three of Breaking Bad is really, really good. Yeah, I need to get back to that show. I kind of dropped it right when it got good. Oh, when the yeah. when the big kingpin when they when everything fucking comes to a head and poor Jesse like murders a guy well, and it's all sad. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I'm it's like season three, episode six is when it starts to go fucking nuts with like Hank the Hank arc basically. Yeah. It goes off what's cool with with Making Bad is that they don't let things like they don't have dumb equilibri- static equilibriums like the the wife <laughs> forget her name um skyler Skyler, who's amazing um yeah okay okay good because rewatching it i'm like skyler's the best character in this show because she's She's amazing she's the only one being like like a real person like yo this is all real fucking fishy you guys Mm -hmm. he's up to something like right from the start yeah like she doesn't keep like um not like going a lot like because um okay walt walter is such like a terrible liar yeah. And she doesn't just, like, keep going with his shit for forever. Like, she eventually is like, okay, I know what's happening. And he's yeah. like, yeah, basically. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Good show. Good show that keeps moving. Yeah, I, I remember now, but you were saying how the season one finale is basically the start of season two, and that is weird. Because, mm-hmm. like, season one is eight episodes, and season two is 13 episodes. Mm-hmm. So it's like, literally, if you just put three, the last three, or the first three of season two onto season one, it makes them much more balanced. Yep. And But then season two is by far the worst one at that point, because those episodes are really good. Yeah. God. But anyways, Breaking, or not Breaking, Better Call Saul season two, it felt a lot more focused in, like, what was happening. Than season one did. Than season one was kind of aimless, and season two is much more like, okay, we're building an arc here. Cool. And... The cliffhanger at the end of season two made me stand up and shout like "fuck you" at the screen. <laughs> in a good way. It's it. I don't know if it's in a good way because it's like, uh, am I really going to wait a fucking year now to find out what happens? Because uh... I, I was. It's it's an unbelievable cliffhanger. I'm just like, 
beside myself like oh you <laughs> bastards so like yes to say they are ratcheting up the tension in a breaking badish way is very accurate excellent glad you said that and the first Good. thing that came to my mind was the code gs season one finale i think this is worse than that <laughs> i don't know well you probably care more because it's this is it's better an out this is just such a game changer where it's like, oh, nothing is going to be the same in the show going forward, oh, you bastards. Because it's interesting because now that I'm rewatching Breaking Bad, though, like Saul is such a different character uh-huh. in each show. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like Better Call Saul is about his transition into that other character from later. Oh, OK. So it's a prequel. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a prequel. OK, cool. So like basically he's trying to be above the law. In, season, in Better Call Saul, mm-hmm. where by the time you meet him in Breaking Bad, he is just like, hey, I'll wonder, water money for your fucking drug operation. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like, he is clearly not above the, the law at that point. Wait, so, so what do you mean by above the law there? He's he's helping them launder drug money. So like, above the law means, like, he can do what he wants I, and not worry about the law. So it seems like by the in Breaking Bad, he is above the law. Like he's, is he? Oh, I'm probably using the term. Okay. So he wants to be, so in in Better Call Saul, he wants to work within the boundaries of the legal system. Basically. He wants to be a, yeah, he's trying to, he's real bad at it, but he's not like outright helping drug addicts and stuff. (laughs) Helping drug dealers. Yeah. Cool. Man. Like he's actually doing like actual lawyer stuff. Not, not (laughs) very, very illegal things. Yeah. So that that's that's actually sounds like a cool story, seeing how he developed that way. Yeah, because there's a line when you first meet him where he goes, "I know a guy who knows a guy," and that ends up being Mike and then Gus. Uh huh. So Oof. Mike is also in Better Call Saul, mm-hmm. and apparently Gus is going to show up eventually as well. Gus is very so like scary. The, the last episode Gus I saw was the one that where, where he where he kills a guy in front of them. Yeah, it's very good. So. So they're kind of like fleshing out the backstory of all those characters. Oh, cool. But I think the one thing that's kind of weird in Better Call Saul Season Mm 2, and these names are so hard to keep saying over and over, is that in Season 1, it is established that Saul and Mike know each other. Mm -hmm. And and then in Season 2, like, they still know each other, but their plot lines, like, never cross over. Mm. Like, they're, they're just like, okay, now it's 20 minutes of Mike. Okay, back to Saul. And it's just like, there's never any real crossover between them. That sounds like the Game of Thrones thing, where they are just... Here are like seven different stories. Yeah. This isn't nearly that bad, but yeah. I get you. I think it's kind of like Breaking Bad, like the scope just continues to expand, where you can have like, okay, now we're following Hank, now we're following Marie and Skylar, and you know, Mm -hmm. like, there's just a lot... The writers of those shows, they build webs that just continue to expand in mm. complex ways yeah. and it's really neat and then the strength with breaking bad was like when those threads collide especially with like hang yeah it fucking lands like a wrecking ball yeah <sighs> breaking bad is good yeah just sounds good and better too. call Saul seems really good too like i hope they kind of stick the landing but i actually have total faith that they will now mm-hmm. you know what's cool I I, you know why yeah. i want to go back to breaking bad partially um rian because it's really good and seasons four and five are amazing yeah rian johnson is directing the new star wars he did like uh-huh. three episodes of breaking bad and i think they're all real good ones the one that he did that i recognize was the fly one 
Uh, and apparently he did Looper and a bunch of other cool stuff. So I'm actually excited for the new Star Wars because, <laughs> like, I did not, I don't like J.J. Abrams movies and I don't like, uh, I fucking really didn't like the Gareth Edwards Godzilla. So I was going into both of those movies with, like, kind of dread. And then... Oh, is is that Rogue One Gareth Edwards? Yes. Um, so then with the new one, I'm going, it's, oh, this guy did Breaking Bad episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think you're going to get quite that tone from Star Wars. No, but it's like, I should see Looper, because I think that'll be more... I, th- I think that movie's definitely my speed, but I haven't seen it yet. So, yeah, it's cool that... Oh, I've seen movies, I've seen stuff by this guy who that I fucking loved. Um, versus cool. the other ones where I was actively like, uh... <laughs> yeah, The Force Awakens just definitely had to kind of maybe a bit too irreverent tone to it, where they're cracking jokes... I don't even, I don't even know. I just don't like, I haven't liked any J.J. Abrams things. <laughs> so. So, yeah. Video games, movies, TV. Video games, and, yeah, t- and TV. Art is cool. And so, Rhett, do we have any news? Yeah. Kind of? Alright. I think this is some pretty have... fucking insignificant news, Rhett. Well, okay, so, a bit of a story time. I think on the last time she was here, Polly was like, Hey, Rhett, you should buy... Super Dimension Neptune versus Sega Hard Girls for your Vita, and then send it to me, because <laughs> we don't think that game is ever coming to PC. Yeah. And lo and behold, that game has finally been announced for PC. <laughs> this is this and is it's nice. funny this is because the iffy game, right? Yeah, this is the iffy game. That's cool. She's the protagonist finally, and it also has finally. additional additional girls that are based off Sega Saturn, Dreamcast, and Genesis despite the fact that Neptunia already has girls based on those consoles. These are Sega's versions of them. That's very funny. This is a very funny premise for a crossover. It's, it's so silly. It's so good. But, like, for weeks I had been looking at the Amazon page for the Vita version of this game, uh-huh. watching the price, and being like, eh, 26 bucks is a bit much. And then, like, the day before this announcement, it dropped, and I was like, Oh, 25 now. Maybe I should buy it. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, maybe it'll go lower. Mm-hmm. And if it goes back up, I'll I'll only lose a buck. And then the next day it got announced for PC. And I'm like, yes, I, my patience has been rewarded. Four. That's funny because uh, that's kind of funny because I've had that experience with Alien Isolation and the, and the remake on my wish list mm-hmm. where I've kept eyeing them for like years now. Like, oh, yeah. like Res- Alien Isolation has gone to like... 12 bucks, like 75% off, like four <laughs> times, and every time I'm like, mm, no, 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 that's not enough yet. I yeah. think it finally did go lower. But I actually might want to play those now that I've played games like that that I've liked. So, right, that price watching is funny. I'm yeah. glad that people get to play the iffy game. Yeah, I think a lot more people are going to play it on PC than Vita now. No offense to the Vita. Even though the Vita is obviously an excellent system because you for playing PS1 games. like that. Is, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think the PS4 is a good system for playing PS1 games. I don't think you can. Is, I tried to download yeah, Final Fantasy VII onto it, and I I couldn't. I, I had, I think, and then I was like, wait, can I just not play PS1 classics on this? And... I, no. I really actually don't think you can. I think there's a special re-release of Final Fantasy VII specifically because that's a seminal game. Yeah. But besides that, I think that's like the only one. Yeah, you can't put your PS1 classics on the PS4. 
which I've had a blast with our PS4, and it's our we use it constantly every day, especially for all of our anime yeah. streaming. Um, but <laughs> no PS1 games, huh? That's yeah. Um, I don't know what happened there. I'm glad for the beta. Basically. Yeah. All right. So oh, so, there, so, so in other news, do you have something? No. Go for it. Okay. I kind of wish we had Polly here for this one because. I'm sure she had words about this. Maybe we'll bring it up next time as well. Yeah. Nintendo, in all their infinite wisdom, announced, and this is basically worldwide at this point. This story kind of broke over a few days. Uh, Nintendo is discontinuing the NES Classic. You know, sales just weren't what they expected, and they just said, hey, we're, we're thrown in the towel. Despite the fact that nobody ever actually got to buy one from anybody but a scalper. I almost fell for their like supply limited bullshit where I'm like I wasn't planning on getting one of these but uh, if I see one for 60 bucks I probably would grab it but guess what they're, you're not going to get to get ever see one because it's not actual artificial scarcity it's just Nintendo being fucking ridiculous with their manufacturing yeah they just don't actually want you to buy one of these. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm just not going to get an NES Classic. Yeah, even though I good job. Really liked one. You, didn't, you didn't get our money. Congrats. And then people What's immediately the... started talking about, what about a SNES Classic? And I'm like, I... didn't you, you just don't fall for that? <laughs> this just happened. Why are you talking I about think, this? I think there actually were reports, though, saying insider leaks of SNES Mini is coming this fall. Why, and it's just like, why? Why? Oh, but my... Uh, so I know you have a weird relationship with the SNES. No, it's fine. But like, SNES is great. <laughs> the, but the potential library on that thing, if you pick the top 30 games, I think is so much stronger than the NES. Mm -hmm. that it's, like, it's like the nerd wet dream if you can get Square on board, basically. basically. So just... But then, like, so that just means people are like, oh, the NES Classic got discontinued, so I better make sure I'm there for the SNES Classic? Is that the logic? I don't I better know. be sure I... I go buy that immediately. Is that I what mean... we're reduced to? Are we dancing like puppets on a string for Nintendo? <laughs> Except we're not even, like, they're not even manipulating us because, like, they would be, because they're not, we're not buying, we're not giving them money. They're not gaining anything. Yeah. They're gaining brand awareness so that we'll buy a Switch and then buy virtual consoles games. I think that's their weird end game here. Uh, we'll get that, to buy it again. But, we'll get to buy Zelda again for eight bucks for Yeah, like that's the time. thing where it's like the NES Mini was a cool looking device that was also a much better value proposition than virtual the virtual console head. Even though in reality, I've never, I'd never spend sixty dollars on NES games. Yeah, like, but they would have potentially gotten me to spend sixty dollars on an NES Mini. Yep, or whatever it's I called. I would have done it actually. Yeah, it was a good library but, too. They picked cool games. Yeah, they picked Super C. <laughs> they picked Super C instead of yeah. That's really, that was like whoa. All right, cool. But like, I, I honest to God thought. They are going to do this thing for like three or four years and then do the SNES Mini. Not the next year. After discontinuing it. After supply never becoming available in any way regularly. Yeah. 
I mean, I guess even the Switch is real hard to get, so... Yeah. I don't know, they're just... They Nintendo fucked up in the best way possible. They made two pop products that are too popular right now. Yep. Ah, uh, whatever. It's... Nintendo bullshit is... At least the Switch uh, probably isn't going to vanish. Yeah, true. Hopefully! <laughs> <Can you imagine? laughs> I That'd hope. be a great press release. Nintendo discontinues the Switch. <laughs> They said, oh, we've sold about as many as the Wii U. Time to fold up, close up shop. <laughs> God, fuck. Just, oh, fuck. How many did the Wii U actually end up selling? I don't know. At least one this... for us. I mean, I think it was at least under 10 million. I'm not sure, though. Maybe I'm thinking Dreamcast numbers. Gotcha. But, like, it seems conceivable now that if they can get them out there, that the Switch would sell it, outsell it in the first year. Because nice. I think Switch is like at 2.5 million already, which is kind of nuts. Oh, I really like to be able to play Zelda like on the go. That sounds really nice. Basically, is that why you're not buying it on Wii U? No, I'm thinking about buying it on Wii U. I'm probably going to buy it, but I I probably am going to buy it on Wii U and then buy the Switch in like two years or something after Mario. <laughs> if Mario Odyssey yeah. is cool and there's other cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's really not a ton for the system right no, now. No, there's, there's Zelda. That's there's there's. I mean. If you globally look at it, like what games are exclusive to Switch, and it's like, uh, because you can't say Zelda, especially if you have a Wii U. Yeah. And then it's like, uh, Snipper Clips? Yeah. I... The Shovel Knight, the Shovel Knight DLC is not exclusive anymore. Uh, the Blaster Master game is on 3DS. Uh, Puyo Puyo Tetris is technically on PS4. Oh, I want to, ch- I want to check that out because I love Puyo Puyo and Tetris, and it looks cute. It's real good. I have it. Oh, fuck yeah. Video games are good. So, yeah, Switch is cool, but seems like you can wait for that. But you couldn't wait for the NES Classic, I guess. Nope, it's just gone. I guess it wasn't even like it wasn't really a product they were selling. It was like a weird novelty item that they were offering briefly, oh. and now it's gone. It, yeah, it's like it was a marketing opportunity. Yeah, like just get their name out there. Oh, Nintendo! Remember Nintendo? And then they released the Switch, and then the NES Classic disappeared. It was an advertising gimmick, I guess. Which I get, but then why would you do the SNES Mini? Which, hey, maybe that report is false. Maybe that won't really happen. Because if they do SNES Mini, I think they're out of their goddamn minds. If they do SNES Mini, like, I hope... What? I, I mean, people would buy it, of course. They would buy They would what? buy it until it's out of stock. And then would they discontinue it? Or would they put more out? I, I, just, I just don't even know at this point. Because, like, at some point, isn't it a hassle to make those deals to get, like, the games people would want on that system? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you get Chrono Trigger I mean, and then you discontinue it. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I mean, they could practically just do Nintendo Square and NX, basically, and fill thirty and fill thirty games that way. They better have Act Razor. Uh, they don't have Act Razor. What the? F- then they're out of their minds. Is that NX? Um, yeah, I think it's Quintet. So NX. Uh, but yeah, that's like yeah, that's, that's like my thing. that's kind of my go-to for like. All right, did they actually pick a cool library or? Did they just pick, like, oh. the total 100% big, biggest names? Actraiser is so weird. It is one of the big names, though. It is, yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, mean, I don't mean to say that Actraiser is, like, doesn't get a, ever get any appreciation, but if they, like, that would be, like, the obvious ever so slightly out of left field thing. Yeah. God, Actraiser is good. Actraiser is so weird to me, though, because it was basically a launch game. Uh-huh. That, and most launch games are kind of forgotten by history because they're not very good. Yeah. 
Exactly. And Act Razor is actually like one of the best games on the system. God, I fucking love that game. I played through it only once, but I loved it. I need to go back to that. It's really neat. It's got great music. Video, yeah, I think video games are good. Yeah, you posted that list of like games you'd want on the SNES Mini, yes. so like, man, Square and Enix, and, and Enix, huh? Yeah, because Enix also did all the Soul Blade Search, SOS Search for Eden, and the Quintet trilogy, basically. Oh wow! All right, like, I didn't realize that they did Evo and. Um... That's what it's called, yeah. Evo. Yeah, Evo and SOS. I need to play SOS. I, I put that on. No, I don't. I think. I think it's cool. No, wait. I don't know what SOS is. I was thinking of Evo, actually. Okay. SOS is like, it's it's kind of the game that Res, Resident Evil kind of succeeds that too, because it's like an hour long. You're on a boat that's sinking, and then yeah. you can every 15 minutes the boat spins around 90 degrees, so it changes the level yeah. design, and then you can like rescue people, and they have different. So the the story just plays out in a bunch of different ways depending on which people you talk to and how you yeah. so there's like a billion endings so that's a cool thing yeah I, look, yeah I looked it up on wiki though that's human entertainment it's not Enix in any oh. way I was thinking of Evo cool. but yeah then you get what is it Soul Blazer and Terranigma mm-hmm. like SNES Mini is insane potential F-Zero Mario Kart all the Super Super Metroid Super fucking Metroid <laughs> Super fucking Metroid of course yeah Video games are good. Yeah. So I actually do have one extra news story. Yeah. Nintendo, <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, has announced a new member in the 3DS family line. I did see this. This is very funny. It's called the new 2DS XL. <laughs> <laughs> and, it I make... and it doesn't look like a 2DS. It looks like a 3DS. Yeah, it's just a 3DS without the 3D, because they brought back the clamshell design. Yeah. Oh, that's but funny. What I find... So I'm, I have to make a flowchart for my dad the other later to explain him the 3DS line, because it's so funny to me. Where it's like, first they had the 3DS, and it was too expensive, and they made it $170 afterwards. Then they made the 3DS XL, and they made the 2DS a smaller one. Then they made the new 3DS, then they made the new 3DS XL, which was a really big version. And now they're making the new 2DS XL, and it's $150. It's $20 less than the 3DS after the price cut, like, seven years ago. Like, what the F? <laughs> What is, who is the market for this thing? God. Because because I certainly haven't saved money by waiting seven years for this damn thing. Oh, that's funny. Oh, like, you, have, you never had the 3DS? I've never had a 3DS. I almost bid on a 2DS, but now it's like the new 2DS is the higher-end model. <sighs> but also it's more expensive, I guess? Yeah. All right. There's, there's, some, there's some cool 3DS games. And it doesn't... But it doesn't have the 3D. Like, that's still one of the cooler selling features that system, I thought. Yeah. Oh, so you're, so it's just weird that it hasn't gone down from 170 in, like, five years? Well, I'm sure it has. But, yeah, the, the fact that the newest version way later is only $20 cheaper is just kind of yeah. baffling. When, like, how much was that GBA Micro? Like, that really super insanely small that one. That one was so funny. I never actually got one. They were, it's conceptually yeah. it was very delightful. But it's always, like, Nintendo releases kind of after-the-fact iterations of their handhelds. Mm -hmm. And this one seems like maybe a little too high-end fancy for an end-of-life one. the dinky one, yeah. Lots of cool things. And 
Yeah. And I'm not sure if this has the faceplates that the new 3DS did. Uh -huh. Like, did, did that scene ever go anywhere? I don't even know what you're talking about. And I have a new 3DS XL. See, that's the thing. I think the new 3DSs, you could change the faceplates face plates on, but not the new 3DS XL. So goes. Because Nintendo. Just gotta find, play the good games where you can and just try to work around their bullshit whenever possible. And also not like yeah. online games. <laughs> or not care about... Well, I guess Splatoon looks cool. It's cool because... I mean, Mario Kart just came out, I guess. Mm -hmm. But that's just Mario, Mario Kart... Kart 8. Yeah, but apparently Mario Kart, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is the number one game selling game of the year on Amazon right now. That's so nuts. Like, it's already past Zelda and, like, Horizon. I guess more... As the best. Yeah. That's so weird. Mario Kart 8's good. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you've already played Mario Kart 8 on the Wii U... Mm -hmm. Not, but not much reason to I get had excited. A Wii, I have a Wii U, which is anomalous. Yeah. So it makes sense, actually. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to get a lot of mileage out of those ports from that system. Because it has a lot of good games and not a lot of owners. Yes. I still need to play my platinum games on it, basically. That I can right. probably put it to bed for a while. Yeah. Did we mention that Bayonetta came out on PC yeah. last time? No, we didn't. That's cool. That's a cool thing. It is. And I guess they're teasing Vanquish now, oh, nice. which is also a cool thing. Mm -hmm. Although, everyone is so high in that game, and I remember my exact words on the podcast were, that game broke my, ha broke my heart at the end. <laughs> yeah. Because that game just kind of ends with a fart. Because, oh. yeah, I played, I, I even was like, hey, he made Vanquish earlier. I haven't played Vanquish. Yeah. I was just... I saw a nice. I, mean, I saw a gif earlier that maybe for Vanquish. I was like, oh, okay, this is good. It plays amazingly. There's just not an ending, uh, basically. Like the first three levels are amazing, and then it's just like, oh, this is really expensive to make. We're gonna stop now. Yeah, that would make but me sad. I just kind of wonder if there's gonna be a resurgence of like, oh, actually, this game's not so good once it, if it comes out on PC. Yeah, That'd be I, kind I, of funny. I get that. That would be funny. Video games. Video games. I think that's about Is that a podcast? That a podcast. Cool. All right, cool. Um, I'm John. You can find me at farawaytimes.com. Rhett, where can we find you? You can find me posting anime porn on Tumblr or at my clean Tumblr. I, I, oh, no, no, that's the, dir that's the dirty one. In3.tumblr.com. Excellent. Um, remember, we are the podcast that loves you. We are the only ones that love you.